0: Hello and welcome to Rooted and Unwithered. I'm Cole Newton, and the following is a meditation on the New City Catechism as we have been going through this as a series. And today's question is question number 12, which asks, what does God require in the ninth and tenth commandments? The answer, ninth, that we do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. Tenth, that we are content not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. In the New City Catechism's brief trek through the Ten Commandments, we have come now to the final two. Unlike the prohibitions against murder, adultery, or theft, we might be tempted to think that these final two commandments deal with less severe sins. The reality, however, is that the Ninth and Tenth Commandments are just as endemic and deadly as the ones that we have studied so far. The actual text of the ninth commandment is found in in Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The commandment is explicitly against being a false witness, that is, presenting untruthful information in a situation where your testimony is needed. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, verses 15 through 21, we find a testament to this seriousness. If a witness was discovered to be false then he received the very same punishment that he meant to bring upon the person being accused. Thus, if you intended to have your brother executed via your own false testimony, you were then executed instead. And the passage ends with the famous words, It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. It's Verse 21 which was meant to be an act of warning to the rest of Israel regarding the deadly effects of sin. And indeed, when King Ahab and his wife Jezebel executed Naboth through the accounts of false witnesses in order to take possession of his land, God personally promised to repay him by eliminating his entire household. Yet, as the Catechism explains, this commandment requires that we do not lie or deceive, but speak the truth in love. That is, at its most basic, the ninth commandment forbids all lying and deceit. Whenever we say something false, we bear a false witness against our neighbor. The context is rarely as life or death as a courtroom, but each time we, are, we speak, we are giving witness and testimony to something or someone. All lies, therefore, are a breaking of this law. And since we are forbidden from bearing false witness against our neighbor, what are we commanded to do Instead, most generally, we must speak the truth. As followers of the one true God, our yes should mean yes and our no should mean no, as James 5, 20, 12, verse twelve says. Second, we must guard the honor and reputation of our neighbor. If a false witness destroys the name or even life of another person, we should instead be a people who refuse to be silent participants in the slandering of others. And third, we must be true witnesses of Christ. As Christians, each of our words and actions bears a witness to Christ because we carry His name as His earthly ambassadors. We must therefore determine whether we will bear a true or false witness of Him. Exodus 20 verse 17 gives us the tenth commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. By this commandment, God requires, as the Catechism says, that we are content, not envying anyone or resenting what God has given them or us. Almost as if to preemptively keep us from considering this commandment as being less consequential than the others, the Lord repeats it twice within this verse. Here, God is emphatically declaring that what we want is just as important as what we do. Coveting, after all, is the act of desiring something. Of course, not all desires are sinful, but coveting is a sinful desire to have something that we do not currently possess, but someone else does. As verse 17 of Exodus 20 notes, This may be our neighbor's house, his wife, his children, or his stuff. The commandment purposefully ends with the phrase, or anything that is your neighbor's, because the possibilities are literally endless. We may covet someone's job, their skills, their abilities, their circumstances, or even just generally their life. Nothing is too concrete or abstract to be exempt from our covetous hearts. We should also note that coveting is really just another way of understanding the first commandment. In fact, we could say that idolatry is covetousness in violation of loving God with all our heart, soul, and might, while covetousness is idolatry in violation of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Regardless of how we conceptualize how idolatry and covetousness fit together, Paul tells us twice that they are indeed bound together. To the Ephesians, Paul wrote, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. And to the Colossians, he said, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And that's Colossians 3, 5. So by the very words of scripture, to covet is to be an idolater. Now, as the Catechism notes, we must fight covetousness with contentment. Covetousness and contentment are mutually exclusive. When one is present, the other cannot also be around. Contentment is the state of being satisfied, of having enough, which makes it the exact opposite of coveting. Indeed, since Jesus has now made us children of God, how can we be anything other than content? As Jesus said, if God who provides food for the birds and clothes the grass of the field is our Father, how much more can we trust him to provide for us? Indeed, we have the confidence of knowing that even during seasons of trial, suffering, and want, God is working all things together for his glory and our good. And so by our contentment, we reject the serpent's lie, and instead we root our satisfaction in our glorious and gracious King. Thank you so much for listening. For more resources for knowing and loving God's word, please visit bcnewton.co. And until next time, grace and peace.